Welcome to the AI Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Schaefer. Today on the podcast, we have the pleasure of being joined by Alexandra Matthews, who is a business development manager and underwriter of AI performance insurance at Munich RE. She spearheads the development of insurance for liabilities arising from discrimination and bias in AI used in high stakes decision making applications. Such a fascinating in, uh, area. Super excited to have you on and welcome to the show today, Alexandra. Oh, thanks so much, Jen. I'm really looking forward to talking to you today. Um, Just, you know, for the listener, super excited first off to have you on. But for the listener, can you give us a little bit of, um, you know, your background, your journey? Can you tell us a little bit about what got you into the field of AI, how you ended up focusing on, you know, ensuring AI risks and, and tell us a little bit about your your background? Sure. I kind of fell into it by accident, really. So I started, um, I actually went to law school in Australia, which is where I'm from, uh, graduated, and then about a week later, I um, moved to Germany. Um, and so I found Munich Re, the company where I'm at, kind of by accident. I just sort of was looking around for, for jobs because I couldn't be um, a lawyer. So when I started in Munich Re, I was in the kind of traditional insurance underwriting side. Um, but I was asked to work on a, on a joint article with the AI team uh, about liability and I loved it so much I thought I got to transfer into this team so a very uh untraditional journey to kind of you know most people's career paths um but it was great and the team I guess more broadly um kind of also fell into it by accident so the kind of origins of the team was that uh there was a, a department at Munich Re who was approached by uh, an AI company looking for some sort of insurance for, for their AI. And, and we didn't have this kind of product at the time, uh, yeah. but we thought this is a great idea. Maybe we should actually figure out if we can, if we can underwrite this. Uh, so we did it kind of custom made for one company. Um, and then we thought this is, this is actually a great product and we should, we should offer it to more companies. So I guess everyone <laughs> ended up in the right place. <laughs> yeah, that is so fascinating. It's honestly not a product I ever like thought of but like once I hear about it I'm like oh oh my gosh yeah like of course this has to exist so I think that's uh so fascinating um also I just out of curiosity so going from Australia to Germany did you speak German or have you learned that how's that experience been for you no I didn't speak a I didn't speak a single word I was studying in Italy met a nice German boy the rest is history so <laughs> my German's fine now um but when I moved there I could not speak a single word and that was a real um, baptism by fire. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. I lived in uh, a France for two years and did not speak French before. And it was, uh, yeah, it was. Crazy. It's humbling, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so humbling. You, you don't feel like the smartest person in the room. Yeah. Um, okay, so tell me a little bit about uh, Munich Re. Like, such a fascinating concept. How do they, how do you really approach kind of some of the unique challenges of ensuring AI systems, right? Like these things are, they're changing all the time. They're so dynamic. Like talk to me a little bit about some of the, the you know, the challenges you have in that whole, I don't know, concept of ensuring those. I'll start off with kind of an explanation just briefly of what we do. So basically okay. AI providers um, that offer some sort of AI-based solution, they're trying to sell it to the market, can essentially get uh insurance for the performance of their ai system um basically then they could kind of add that into their sla or whatever sort of sales contract they have and basically guarantee some sort of performance of their ai what's, what's 
Definitely. Like a, a, what is it, a service level agreement or some sort of, any sort of sales contract that you might have as an AI provider with your customers. Um, And yeah, basically they can say, right, we have this level of performance. Uh, We meet these sort of KPIs or metrics. And if we don't and you suffer a loss because of that, uh, we'll cover the cost. And then that cost is ultimately indemnified by Manucre. So then... That's kind of what 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 the aim is, and then we figuring out how on earth do we actually measure that that is yeah that's yeah because you know what insurers typically need is when they're underwriting sort of a, a fire policy or something like that or, or a motor policy for anyone that's had car insurance is you you generally have decades of data on car accidents all over the world and and fires all throughout history and there's kind of we don't have that volume of data but also the other tricky thing is that I don't know a fire is a fire kind of wherever it happens right there's not so much variation in kind of what it looks like and what damage it causes and I think somewhat similar uh for like a motor policy yeah with AI every single application is so different and even just saying, oh, yeah, we have a decision tree model, that's our AI, or we have a large language model, that's our AI. Those two things are then so different that we need to basically, uh, you know, start from scratch in terms of underwriting. basis on everyone you do? Yeah, more or less. I mean, we try, obviously, for, like, efficiency to basically, you know, kind of snowball the, the information that we get for each case. Yeah. Basically, what we can do is just meet with the the tech team who's developing this AI and try and get some performance data from them. So how they've performed historically when they are training their model, when they're testing their model, when they're deploying it to clients, all those types of things. We can take that data and try and sort of use it to inform us on what's the likelihood that this AI model will one day not work or will not uh, perform. but. Yeah. It's really something that uh, is definitely uh, still kind of an art at this at this stage. We've got a lot of data scientists working on it, so I'm uh, I'm not going to say it's an art, not a science, because there's a lot of science behind it. But it's it's oh my god, down. yeah, that's so fascinating, right? Because you obviously have to determine like what you can cover. You have to determine what like the the negative impact could be, like the you know the monetary like damages that could be done and i'm sure that's just crazy especially when you're looking at something like you know i don't know like bias in the model like um, do you cover like insurance on bias in models if that had some sort of negative like reputational impact to a company or is it more like if the if the model breaks and doesn't serve its business function correctly so we would also look at bias and basically moving from pure performance to i guess broader liabilities that ai can cause yeah. Um, right. And obviously bias is one of those, um, I guess, kind of impacts that the AI has and maybe discrimination is a type of harm that can occur from some sort of bias. And this is also something that uh, we could cover. Uh, and this is also very difficult to measure because yeah, you can start off and you can say um, we we could attach some sort of quantifiable measurement to fairness. Um, if you take an example, let's say a, a healthcare company uses AI to basically 
triage patients on how long they need to be in the waiting room until they um, see a doctor. And they can do that based on arrival time or based on age or based on uh, who has the most severe symptoms. And each of those things could be fair, but they can't all coexist, right? You cannot have everybody waiting an hour to see a doctor, but also everybody getting in based on how urgent it is. So what the idea is for discrimination is that you can kind of attach some sort of quantifiable performance metric once you've chosen what idea of fairness is important to you as an AI provider. Um, And that's kind of, that's somewhat easier to predict. But when you think about the real world implications of discrimination, there's a whole bunch of things that is really difficult to capture. If you are discriminated against and I mean this is really an extreme example but if you are discriminated against uh and then you are feeling so horrible that you can't go to work uh or you're uh you have some sort of reputational fallout from this measuringly those losses they're not attached specifically to the model so trying to figure out how you like where to draw the line in the sand and and how to actually capture Really, the essence of this, which is protecting people from from harms, is is how to limit, but also find those harms. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that sounds like such a challenge. That's so fascinating. You guys are working on that. What are some of the most common risks associated with AI that businesses should be aware of, and like you know maybe ones that people aren't thinking about today? Yeah. I mean, there's there's so many, and I don't want this to turn into like a like a doomsday prep, but kind of. <laughs> break it down into sort of, I mean, there's a whole bunch of different AIs, right? So if we break it down into kind of some of the the main ones, you have like machine learning models that are classifying uh, like inputs, data inputs. This might be kind of your more standard ones. Like if you're using AI on a conveyor belt in a factory and it's picking out defective parts or, or you know, Kit Kats that aren't good enough, that kind of thing. Uh, one of the main risks there is is data drift. I mean, no matter the best AI, no matter how well it's trained, will always make mistakes. And that isn't as bad as it sounds. We actually kind of want the machine to make some mistakes so that it fits generally to new situations uh, going forward. But it's important then for these developers to keep training the model to kind of avoid this concept that over time your your data changes, but your model doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, if we look then at LLM, so, so large language models like ChatGPT, things like that, I mean, now as they're starting to be used in, in business context, there's a, a risk of uh, what's called hallucinations, yeah. which is where large language models provide information that sounds real, but is actually either completely nonsensical or fake. And yeah. I mean... This is kind of caused by by some limited understanding of context of the model. It's it's basically trying to go from a prompt and then train this into sort of an abstract concept. So that's kind of how it happens, and it's not it's not all bad. I mean, it's it's kind of it, it comes up with good um, diverse ideas. I mean, this is kind of what you want if you're trying to generate something new is for the model to basically come up with something that's not been. Uh, thought of before but it can also uh you know be bad if you're if you're using that to inform you about 
case law or something like that and you type in you're looking for a factual answer um, and it comes up with something that just is completely a lie um, but sounds really legit and then I just think ultimately to manage that risk uh, you should just fact check. I mean, it's hopefully not such a, a huge kind of risk. Um, and then I think the last kind of type of AI that we could talk about um, is sort of this discrimination and these sorts of ethical concerns. I mean, mm, beyond um, it, when we think about, I guess, the more broad business applications in terms of privacy and security and and things like deep fakes i think this is obviously a, a huge risk that people should be mindful of um and in sort of counteracting these uh concerns about privacy sometimes then uh there's sort of competing questions about whether data that you're using um is uh you know could have a a bias in it or a lead to some sort of discrimination um and i mean ultimately these biases can occur in any type of ai the, the algorithm just learns to preference some features over another and it doesn't have that ability to to really get to the core of whether that's a a nice or an unkind um preference so yeah, yeah. ultimately what's essential here is just uh be critical about how the model is trained and, and make sure that you have the right people in the room when the model is being trained. I mean, you need that sort of um, diversity in, in labeling the data and training the data uh, when, you, uh, when you're doing it to make sure that, that those biases don't get kind of fed into the model. Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting. I was talking to someone from um, OpenAI yesterday on a podcast, the head of developer relations, and talking about like the the bias in the model it, it's just like incredibly hard to get rid of it because essentially the training data like it's generated by the internet it's generated by everyone in the world and everyone in the world has biases and like totally you know while you would like to have a perfect clean data set with no biases like if the data set's created by humans it's just gonna have them and so it's kind of interesting because yeah their approach is like they aren't gonna like they, they can't cherry pick the entire data set they're you know they're pulling in so much data that they have to kind of come up with tools after the fact so it's really interesting to see uh where this all where this all plays out and how it goes but yeah 100 yeah, you're right like it's uh it's something that people need to be aware of and it's probably a risk i'm wondering um if you could share maybe like an example of a particular challenging ai related insurance case that munich uh re has kind of like handled yeah, sure. I think one of the interesting ones that we get as an insurer is kind of where it's difficult to assess the counterfactual of an AI's performance. So trying to figure out what would have happened if the AI had not been implemented, whether that loss would have still occurred, that type of thing. So mm, this is yeah. usually, it's usually a consideration for when AI is used in sort of demand forecasting or inventory optimization, those sorts of use cases where you don't have this binary alternative of is this a cyber or a ransomware attack or is it not but where you have this kind of the ai could uh the ai might promise that it uh um can predict an optimal level of uh inventory to hold and then if that it's hard to say if in the real world you then have some sort of lack of inventory if you still would have had that whether the ai had made that prediction or not so right. i think those ones tend to be the trickiest for us because uh, it's very difficult to then s kind of carve out what the AI's 
decision-making power truly was um, uh-huh. and then therefore kind of how it's, whether it's underperformed or, or made a mistake. But uh, as I kind of said earlier, I think for us, the the first step in managing these really tricky use cases is as close as we can try and link the outcome or the the goal of the AI to some sort of quantifiable measure. So if you're forecasting uh, demand or, or trying to optimize uh, customer engagement, linking that to some sort of numbers that you can then measure, I guess, you know, did that occur or not? Okay. So like, I'm trying to wrap my brain around this, but like, let's say a big shipping company, they got an AI and it manages like how much inventory they ship from one place to another and need to bring into the warehouse. They create their AI model, they get an insurance, uh, you know, underwritten by Munich Re, and then something goes wrong with the model. Maybe there's model drift or something, right? Something goes wrong with the model, doesn't do the inventory correctly. They don't have enough inventory. They lose like, you know, $20 million. Do they write a claim to you saying, hey, you know, we have like a $20 million loss because our AI model messed up, whatever. Like, how do you look at that whole case ahead of time? Do you like look, do you vet models or do you just be like, well, here's the risk and the likelihood. So here's their, their like, you know, payment they'll have to make on it. Like, do you vet the model ahead of time? If the model like, let's say they just trained it bad or they just like they messed up on the model. Are they still going to like, you know, come to you with some sort of damages? Yeah, we do vet the model. Um, okay. I mean, we don't like run at it and try and beat it. We don't pen test it. It's not that kind of uh, vetting. But what we basically do is just we need to see the data input. So generally then the, the person getting the insurance just telling us uh, where they get their data from, the, the data source, maybe how they train the model and then kind of the output. So this performance data on how they've done on previous, you know, shipping runs, that kind of thing. That's all we need to see. We don't need the code. We don't need the algorithm, you know, watching it kind of happen. Um, and then in terms of how we kind of manage the, the scenario as a whole, usually what happens is the AI provider will basically when they're entering into a sales contract with their user, who's probably um, the the shipping company, let's say. I imagine, I mean, we also would provide first-party coverage if the shipping company develops their own AI in-house, but typically we've seen these sorts of really big established industries um, so so far have been buying third-party AI. Okay. I'm sure this will, this will yeah. shift slightly in the future, but at yeah. the moment that's what we've seen. And so the idea is that the AI provider can uh, guarantee to their shipping company, if you use our AI and we promise you, you will not have any greater than a 10% deviation in your inventory from what we told you to hold versus what you ended up actually holding, excluding Mm -hmm. natural catastrophes, I don't know, supply chain kind of things out of Mm -hmm. the control of the AI model. Uh, if you have this deviation, because we've made a wrong prediction, you can get those losses paid out. And so oh, then the okay. So, okay. so then the, so the shipping company would go to the AI provider and say, I've suffered this huge loss. Your AI messed up. I want like either my money back or I want my losses covered or whatever yeah. it might be that's in the contract. The AI provider would come to Munich Re, to our team and say, I have to make a payout now to my client who's unhappy because of my AI. Can you please give me this money? And then they 
can pay them out. Okay, gotcha. So do you do you insure the shipping provider and the AI company, or is it typically more you're insuring the AI company so that when one of their clients has an issue, you pay out for the to the client? Generally, we would like the insurance would attach to whoever is developing the AI. So whoever has control gotcha. over the AI's ongoing performance would be the insurance yeah. policyholder. I don't okay. really think we'd have we I don't think we would insure the shipping company and the AI provider for the same risk. Right. But we could basically go to the you know the shipping company could say to us we don't have this kind of insurance how would I get it and we can say loop in your AI provider the three of us can have a chat and figure out okay. how to get an insurance we can do it like that. Okay. How do you see the role of AI in kind of transforming the traditional insurance industry, especially in like risk assessment? Well, I think uh, AI is transforming pretty much anything else. So it would be kind of remiss of me to think that it would not change um, the insurance industry. Um, I think a lot of simple procedures will become much better. I think there's quite an art to underwriting into meeting with with your clients and it's a very people focused industry at the moment very relationship based so i can't really see a lot of replacement of those sorts of skills yet but i think the simple processes detecting fraud in in claims that kind of thing I, that i think will be the first to kind of shift over um in terms of risk assessment uh we haven't used ai in our risk assessment yet uh but i think we would welcome it it's basically automating some parts of that sort of due diligence mm -hmm. chain maybe mm -hmm. developing a machine learning based tool that can assess a whole bunch of different ai features because basically we also get a lot a lot of data uh about the ai performance so even to have some sort of tool that could summarize that or that could um, basically pick out or weight the most important features. Uh, I think we would welcome that sort of use case. But uh, ultimately, then the kind of whole package, uh, I think we'll also still have uh, some people involved. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Because especially in something that's high stakes like this, you have to, I mean, if nothing else, someone has to be able to follow down the, the chain of decision making to decide, you know, figure out exactly why the AI made the decisions. Um, but, you know, I mean, to to listeners that are, you know, founders or in the tech space and, and at companies, this might be an interesting area to uh, <laughs> developing software and to look at. So, I mean, so, so fascinating Um, for the listener that doesn't know. I will say that, you know, Munich Re has been around since I think 1880 and they have covered a huge range of extraordinary risks. I'm wondering how does insuring AI companies compared to other risks like rocket launches or like pandemics like you guys do all sorts of things right yeah i think uh if there's a risk out there munich re uh, is, is uh, on it but i think really at the core these risks are kind of the same you, you know I, I personally i think insurance has kind of always been the cornerstone for innovation and, and doing kind of these these new things in in society and many of these significant developments like first space launch or first well i guess not the first pandemic but probably i mean at least the first in my lifetime uh mm -hmm. is these sorts of kind of one-off events or the first of their kind uh have been protected by by insurance for for a long time um mm -hmm. which i think 
it really enables these sorts of leaps to be made, especially when you think about it's it's fine when or it's easy to manage when companies with large balance sheets undertake risks, but a lot of the the risks that we might see or a lot of the kind of exciting developments that we might see come from smaller companies that might not have a, a balance sheet to withstand a whole bunch of unplanned or, or unknown risks. So I think I think it is uh, really valuable that insurance is an option for new kinds of risks. Um, and I think insure, insuring AI is kind of a natural progression of, of that. And I think really you could look at the risk uh, kind of kind of the same. You might not have a lot of data on these events um, and, and that's really what we're seeing at the moment with with AIs we're slowly getting uh slowly getting the the pieces together the puzzle together of what AI actually looks like yeah and I feel like obviously so new evolving and changing so rapidly it's got to be a, a crazy space to kind of be looking at I mean I remember um when COVID happened I was working at a company and we had this big is a supply chain company and we had this big supply chain event and we we planned every year of course you know they spend like a million dollars on the venue and all this stuff and it just so happened is is right before COVID um, it just so happened that like they were getting everything done and they got like the insurance on it and they're like, Hey, do you want like an optional like pandemic prevention insurance? It's $27. It was something just like ridiculously cheap. And they're like, yeah, whatever. Just like throw it onto the insurance package or policy or whatever. Of course, COVID happens. We had to cancel the entire event, uh, you know, a million dollars of non-refundable. And the whole thing was like, luckily, yeah, it's probably the best $27 ever spent by the company because it was paid for by the insurance. So of course, like. That's like an extreme example, but I'm seeing a lot of parallels, I feel like, to AI in a sense that it's not a pandemic, so I, I guess that's not a very good comparison, but it's a brand new thing that was not very common or expected by a lot of companies. Feels like it's coming out of left field. I know AI has been around for a long time, so it's it's definitely, you know, being a little dramatic to say it just came out of nowhere. Um, but obviously, every company is looking at how to implement AI right now in a much more advanced approach than ever before. So I feel like there's going to be a lot of these surprises there's going to be a lot of these risks that people aren't prepared for and you know partnering with a company like munich re to make sure you're insured against those risks i think is really really critical right now especially with such a new industry um so i'm sure that's you know super crazy and exciting for everyone on your end and yeah. i'm wondering um based off of your experience where do you see the field of ai heading over the next two to let's say five years i would just love to get some like predictions uh from from kind of what you're seeing well i think this kind of goes back to what you were talking about with saying like oh ai has burst onto the scene and they're saying okay it hasn't it hasn't really but i i feel like in a way it kind of has because i think it was very much like a tech issue 20 years ago that you'd have kind of maybe a small subset of people with the specific knowledge and the specific experience, maybe some people in your team who had worked on on AI. And I think now its touch points are so much more individual. I think AI is really a, a business issue now, not a not a tech issue. And so I think now that your average person has been on the receiving end of some sort of AI uh, operation probably this year, um, and I think that as you start to delegate more decisions to the AI, whether that is helping you write your essay or whether it's helping you perform critical business functions, I think really there are more people involved now. And I think we need to really protect these people against decisions 
that could cause them some sort of harm. And so I think moving from AI as a discussion around uh, sort of performance and how good it is uh, in its own function and, and kind of moving to a broader consideration of what are the the ethics around this and, and what are the harms that it could cause people, not just kind of businesses in terms of revenue, um, but people who are being maybe discriminated against or, or suffering because of this. I think those really tangible human-based touch points with AI would be my prediction for kind of the next big discussion. At least I hope it is. I think it's a, it's a very important discussion to have kind of in parallel with how good is this model that we're using. Yeah, I think that's so I think that's so true. And I mean, this is going to be fascinating to see how this continues to change, especially in the insurance space. Alexandra, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Today. This has been amazing to hear your insights to the listener. Um, you know, if people want to learn more about uh, Munich Re, where's the best place for them to do that? And so you can find us uh, uh, through our website. Uh, so this munichre.com slash insureai. Uh, otherwise, you're welcome to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, and I'm not sure if you can post something in the show notes or whatever, but uh, we'd absolutely welcome to hear from from anyone who's got uh, a comment or, or a request or just wants to know know more and know what they should do with their business uh, to manage these risks. Happy to, happy to chat. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, to the listener, um, I will drop links in the show notes to the website and to Alexander so you can find her on LinkedIn. Um, and yeah, once again, thank you so much for tuning in to the AI Chat podcast. Make sure to rate us wherever you get your podcasts and have a fantastic rest of your day. <laughs>